0: The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers 4DC. Hello, welcome to The Echo Chamber PR podcast. This is Arun Sudham, an editor of The Homes Report. Thank you for joining us and thanks as always to Marketeers 4DC for helping us deliver today's show. I'm joined in the studio today by Danny Watmo, who is head of digital at Weber Shandwick. And we're going to talk about a subject that has attracted plenty of attention in the PR world, specifically the notional idea, I suppose, of the agency of the future. Danny, welcome to the show. Thank
1: you. Great to be here.
0: So you're going to tell us, presumably or perhaps, that the agency of the future is not a notion any longer and is actually here.
1: It's tricky. So for the PRCA,
0: for the last
1: uh, couple of years, we've been running this project called... PR agency of the future, and I think we set out to try and discuss and debate what we think the agency of the future, the PR agency of the future, might look like in five, ten years time. And you know what? Two years on, I think the only conclusion we've got is that that's not an easy thing uh, to draw particular conclusions from. And I think so far we've spent a couple of years discussing, debating. And as you said in the intro, you know, it's a subject that a lot of people have a lot of opinions on. And they're often very different. And I think that is a sign of the state of flux that the industry is in at the moment. So I think what we've tried to do this year is give the industry a little bit more practical advice, but also kind of ideas. So what we've done is we've turned to five agencies who are not necessarily the agency of the future, but have all shown signs of innovation in some sort of way. And we've created five case studies, video case studies, um, all relatively short that people can go and watch. And what we're hoping is that will give people at least some ideas of what they might be able to do right here, right now, to kind of future-proof themselves for what's to come.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's take this from the beginning. Why is this industry so obsessed with the agency of the future? What is wrong with the agency of the past?
1: So I think there are a number of things. I think digital has definitely come in and thrown a massive curveball. I think on the one hand, it's opened up a whole wealth of opportunity. um, Because I think if we think about... The core elements of what it means to be a PR agency, uh, managing reputation, um, helping a business or a brand communicate out to a public or to their stakeholders, I think the channels by which we've done that in the past have been very obvious um, and they've been tried and tested and everyone's been very sort of comfortable with the way that's worked. Digital has come along and suddenly it's opened up the ways in which we can then potentially do that activity. And that means that I think as agencies, we're all suddenly going, my God, there's this whole massive wealth of opportunity that we haven't really thought about up till now. And I think what we've realised is that from a practical point of view, we are not necessarily totally set up to capitalise on it. And so I think that's why you've suddenly got... And I think, you know, we've seen it for... This is not a new thing. I think you know, since the, since the sort of internet has become um, sort of all um, all encompassing, and I think increasingly with the rise of social media, I think agencies have been thinking about this a lot. But I think what we've suddenly saw, seen over the last couple of years is, as social media has matured. Businesses of all types are now thinking, right? This is something we've really got to focus on, um, and I think agencies are now really starting to think, right? We need we need to make sure we have the structures, the skill sets, the people internally to be able to capitalize on this opportunity, and that's why I think we've suddenly got this this massive interest in 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 the agency of the future.
0: Hmm. Okay, so before we talk about the specifics that you looked at in your research. Um, I wanted to get your view on another question. Do you feel like the industry is changing fast enough to adapt to the developments you've just described? Because I see a lot of people talking about change. Um, I I perhaps see less of them actually changing. And maybe that's a normal situation with any kind of innovation. Um, How do you see it?
1: So, um, with another hat that I've I've got um, as chair of the digital group at the PRCA, we've um, we've recently done some research looking at how um, digital, uh, how the PR agency has um, adapted digital and, and what they're doing to keep up with digital changes. Now, we started this um, again. We've been doing it for two years. We started this because I thought there was a feeling that. Um, PR, the PR industry was getting a bit of a bad reputation when it came to digital, and I think some of that is is fair enough. I think when things like SEO came along, we were slow to jump on that. I think collectively, obviously, it's it's very difficult to you know talk about the industry as a whole, but but I think you know there are definite signs that we were slow to see that as an opportunity, and we lost out to a lot of specialist SEO agencies, but also to, to digital agencies as well. So I think on the sort of backdrop to that, I think that was a bit of a sort of kick up the ass for the industry, really. And I think on the back of that, we suddenly thought, right, OK, we've really got to start sorting ourselves out from, from this point of view. And so the research that we did basically tried to look at the industry and say, OK, is there another story? Is there another narrative that actually we are starting to make progress. We are starting to innovate. We are starting to change. And the results really do show that that is the case. Obviously, there's still work to be done, especially when it comes to training and skills. But in terms of the budgets that we're now getting from digital and the work that we're being asked to do by in-house professionals, there is a sea change coming. Um, And I think that is something that's really important for us to communicate out there. And I think the flip side to all of this is that the PR industry is not the only part of the marketing ecosystem that's having to change.
0: Mm.
1: When we look to ad land and even digital agencies as well, mm-hmm. and media agencies certainly you know, they are all having the same sort of questions. So again, I think there's always this kind of sense that you know, we kind of beat ourselves up, that we're doing a lot of the talking about the future, but are we actually innovating? I think what we've tried to do over the last six to 12 months is demonstrate that actually there is progress happening. It's not happening everywhere, and, and in some places it probably needs to happen faster. But there are positive steps that are being taken. And that's something that I think we should we should celebrate and we should recognize. And I think, and that's partly what this is all about, we should all learn from it.
0: Mm. What I like about this this project in particular is whilst there is you know, plenty of talk, I think, about the agency of the future and how um, the industry is innovating, you've actually broken it down into five different... It's five, yeah, five, five sort of key points. Five key points that you... And the PRCA drew out of uh, various different agencies in the yeah. UK industry. Correct. Um, so I like that there seems to be some actual concrete substance here. So I thought it might be interesting to to maybe just just go through them quickly. Yeah, sure. Um, the first one here is putting the client first. Now that I guess that sounds fairly um, obvious. Obvious <laughs> when you're in the uh, the agency business, but but presumably this is about um, anticipating needs that maybe are not are not within the traditional skill set of an agency.
1: Yeah, it is. But I think it's also a little bit about, um, you know, look, in the old days, or in the old days, you know, in the past, the recent past, um, I think there's a feeling that you come to a PR agency with a brief and you will probably get a media relations solution. Now, I think the same is true of other agencies. You know, you go to an ad agency you're probably going to get a TVC. You go to a SEO agency, the solution is going to be an organic search campaign. And I think there's a feeling that as um, sort of digital has sort of forced our hand a little bit to look at other channels and other ways in which we can get the message across, it means that we don't necessarily always have to go back to the client with a well, our expertise is X, therefore we're going to su- suggest X. And so I think what that means is as agencies, as PR agencies, we have to get better at looking at a client brief, thinking about all the various channels that are, our, are at our disposal, and coming back with what we truly believe to be the best cause of action for them. Mm-hmm. Now that's a slightly different way of looking at the world than I think there has been in the past. Um, and so that is is something that I think from a number of the agencies that we looked at from a case study uh, perspective, that's very much the kind of way that they're starting to look at things. And that means that then suddenly nothing is off the table. Mm. So if a client comes to you um, and Golan talk about this, you know, and you think that actually a, a, a piece of above the line uh, creative is the best solution and potentially now you have the expertise internally to to be able to deliver that, then it means that that is potentially what you need to go back to the client with. Mm -hmm. Um, And Things With Wings, again, talked about the fact that obviously they've had a kind of traditional PR merging with a kind of more sort of digital media focused agency. Mm -hmm. And again, they're talking about this fact that they've now got this massive broad spread of capability and it's really all about looking at those briefs in a slightly different way and working out what the best course of action is.
0: Mm. And the uh, this idea of putting the client first this came out um, specifically of a conversation with as as you mentioned things with wings yep. which is uh, maybe you'd like to tell us a little bit about how that agency has has grown um from, I think it's, it's Nelson Bostock. Which That's comes, right, it's a yeah. PR agency Which has been around for I think, 30
1: years or so. Exactly, and, and still exists. Mm, yeah. you know? So it's not as though they've um, they've ditched mm-hmm. what they're currently doing. I think they've taken that, they've taken some of the core skills, and then they have built, um, I guess it's, I don't think this is necessarily their words, but it, it feels like a bit of a sort of hybrid agency. Um, and again, one of the things that people love to talk about when we talk about this subject is, you know, w- will it be called a PR agency, will it be mm-hmm. a comms agency, agency, will it be a, you know, marketing, you know, what will it look like? And I think, you know, some those labels obviously are are often relatively meaningless. But I think it's interesting in how they are, I think how they've looked at coming up with something, an entity that is different, has a different branding. um, And maybe that's a, a useful way for them to be able to go in and have new conversations with people. Whereas I think one of the challenges that I think um, all PR agencies have, or specifically PR agencies that have heritage and they are known for doing a particular thing, I think it's often difficult to go into existing clients, but new clients as well, and have these different conversations. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the things with Wings... Um, kind of model and way of approaching it is interesting because they can probably go in now and have different conversations and come maybe without some of that baggage that they Mm. might have if they went as a, a sort of different entity.
0: Yeah, it's a good business development Strategy. Exactly, and you
1: know, I again, I, not knowing their business model and, and where they're planning to go, it would be interesting to see if that is a kind of long-term solution, mm-hmm. or whether after a while they actually feel as though it, it sort of then comes back into the the fold, and you know, who knows?
0: Mm. Okay, so moving on, the second thing you, you you've um, highlighted is the need to specialize, and this is something that comes up a lot when we have these conversations. Um, I think that. The, the, the agency of the past, if you like, um, <laughs> has, has tended to prize generalists. Um, that's changing though, as, as, as you've noted. Uh, why is it important to specialise now? So I think it comes back to what I was saying before
1: about all these vari- this variety of different options that we now have in our kind of PR toolkit and our arsenal. Um, and I think there is a feeling... Um, and it's one that I certainly share that it's very hard to expect one person to be able to do everything when you are talking about video production, you're talking about branding and messaging and planning and media relations and SEO and all this kind of all this variety of different stuff. And so I think in order to put the client first and to really come back with a solution that you feel is right for them and right for their business, it's important to be able to actually see all that through and be able to execute. Um, So the generalist versus specialist debate um, is one that is probably – something that always comes up whenever we're talking about this subject, whenever we talk about the future of the agency, because it's the one thing that really defines PR agency versus other marketing uh, specialists. Mm -hmm. So you look at the ad agency model, the traditional ad agency model, and it's very different. Mm -hmm. They have specialists and then they have, you know, your account management suit, person in the middle that kind of manages that client relationship. And it's something that we just haven't had in the PR agency in the past. And I think it's partly just because we didn't necessarily need that breadth of specialism. Mm -hmm. But I think what we've seen recently is that is growing, and the need is now there. And so the question then becomes, what do we do? Do we keep our generalist in the middle, and just kind of bring in Uh, kind of satellites of specialists that kind of sit around them and come in and out when when they need specific uh, work doing? Do we totally chop things up and change the entire structure? Do we adopt the ad agency structure? Do we adopt a structure that we haven't even thought about yet? And so I think those are the questions that are starting to happen. And I think it's also a particularly interesting question when you look at the small agency versus the big agency so golin which is the um the example that we we've used mm-hmm. here and i think an example that's kind of been used across the industry um based on the you know very brave decision that i think they made um to to really rip up what they were currently doing and, and totally change the the structure of their agency um you know golin are a, a big global um agency that have a lot of staff, a lot of employees, and a lot of resources to sort of throw at this. Mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting when you then look at a 10-person, 15-person agency. Mm -hmm. They are not going to be able to go out and hire... A video specialist and an SEO specialist and mm. a digital specialist. So then it probably becomes more about partnering and looking at you know relationships they can have with maybe other agencies to begin to sort of offer those uh, that sort of range of services as well. Mm. So it's it's just such an interesting area, and I don't think there's any one particular solution. Uh, we cited Golan here because I still think it's probably the most interesting example of of where this can be sort of taken to its sort of extreme. Um, and I think there are signs that a lot of agencies are now following their lead or at least looking into those kind of opportunities.
0: Mm. Interesting the points you've noted. I mean, when, when agencies talk about specialisation, it often seems like the issue is funding that model, Yeah, finding ways to, to get those services paid for. Do you think, um, from the work you've done, from your conversations with Golan, uh, that there's any easy answers to that?
1: I don't think there are and I think... Um, Finding people, finding talent remains one of the biggest issues and one mm. of the biggest stumbling blocks. Um, you know, at Webinar, now, we are hiring people certainly from outside the PR industry. Um, you know, we're hiring people from ad agency land. We're hiring people from elsewhere in the marketing industry and even outside. But it's still tough. Um, And it's tough also, I think, when those people then come into the PR agency, especially, for example, if they are, I don't know, the first creative director or the first planning Mm -hmm. uh, person that's, you know, in the agency, Mm -hmm. really kind of understanding how those new functions come in, what their role is that whole change management piece, I think, internally is, is massively uh, interesting and potentially problematic. And, you know, when um, Matt Neal from Golan has sort of talked about this, he, he talked at a previous PRCA conference, you know, he was very open that this was not an easy process. And it's, mm. it's not something that, you know, you should take on lightly. Um, you know, they are, from, all, from what we can see, are, are massively benefiting from the change that they've made. Um, but it's a process. And it's not necessarily going to be right for everyone. And I think, you know, potentially some people are going to have their nose put out of joint when you go through something as kind of drastic as that. Mm. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting.
0: Mm. I mean, you could make the case that it's not genuine unless a few noses are put sure. out of joint. Yep. Um, this The third point is really interesting, I think. Take everyone on the journey. One of the things I've heard from so many agencies that have looked into this and have you know, maybe tried to change their model, change their structure, is um, the risks in terms yeah. of, of their staff culture. And you know, staff culture is everything yeah. in agency world. Um, you talked to Three Pipes, Jim Hawker and Laura Coleman. They merged with a digital agency. What did you learn about how agencies can make these changes while bringing their employees along with them, particularly when there, there may, in fact, be some level of turnover involved?
1: Yeah, I I you know, I think it's um it's really interesting. And and the three pipe example is a good one. You know, they took um a traditional PR agency and the c- typical kind of culture that you kind of see in a PR agency, and then a digital agency, but a digital agency that was quite um quite techy.
0: Yeah, search quite search for yeah. So it's yeah. you know,
1: it it and and the kind of culture that you have there mm-hmm. kind of different. Mm-hmm. And and so I think you know, they talk about that. They talk about how how, how that happened. Um, they say that actually, on reflection, they wish they'd done it earlier, which is kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But they also, you know, admit, as in fact everyone does in terms of the case studies that we did, that, you know, there are obviously stumbling blocks in, t- in terms of making that happen. And I think one of the really interesting things, and I've talked about it in the article, is I think it's really important that employees feel as they're part of the solution or not part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Because it's very easy to say, our agency is broken. You guys aren't doing, you know, what we now need you to do. Therefore, we're going to bring in this shiny new digital agency and they're going to solve all our problems. Mm -hmm. Because actually, if we're honest, that's not what's happening. And, and, you know, Jim, I think, has talked about the fact that, um, you know, for a long time, the the kind of two came together but you know they weren't necessarily doing amazingly perfect integrated work from day one Mm
0: -hmm. so
1: really trying to understand the other the other team how they worked how their work could then help and um you know, contributes to to what was happening on the PR side, I think is really interesting as well. Mm -hmm. From all accounts, it sounds as though they've cracked it and they've got there. And I think now they are really winning some very interesting, truly integrated work. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it's a process. It's not, you know, you bring any, you know, I've been through mergers in the past. You bring any two companies together there are always going to be issues. Mm -hmm. It's one way of looking at it. It's different to the Golan model. But for a kind of mid-sized agency or even a smaller agency, I think there are real pros to that kind of approach. To a merger?
0: Yeah. Mm. Okay.
1: Because, you know, we talked before about the specialist Mm. issue and actually one way to immediately change the the level of specialization that you potentially have is to merge two agencies where you feel there are complementary skills that that you know both can benefit from.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, the next, the next um, finding: don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Also, an interesting one, and actually, I think it ties in with some of the things you've, you've already said. Yeah. Um, but what what does this exactly mean for agencies that are grappling with this level of change? So one of the big things that came
1: out of the PRCA conference, where we had a panel sort of discussing this last week, was there is actually something fundamentally different slash important about what a PR agency, how a PR agency views the world. And we talked at the beginning about, you know, reputation mm-hmm. um, and helping a company communicate out mm-hmm. and from my sort of personal experience recently, it's really interesting to find more and more brands who are beginning to wake up to the opportunities that social and digital bring. They're beginning to see that actually the model whereby you have a lead agency, usually an ad agency, who comes up with a big idea, a big platform, usually driven led by a piece of above the line a TVC and then turn around to their PR slash social slash digital agency and say, right, here's the big idea, now go and make that work for social channels. I think they're beginning to see that that's potentially not the best way to do things. Mm. And one of the things that we're now seeing is brands, forward-looking brands and businesses turning around and actually saying, maybe we need to think about how this executes on social and digital, or the opportunities at least for that, much further up the planning process. Mm. And that, I think, is really important for us. And so, to bring it back to to this idea, um, the danger with all of this is that in 10 years' time, we just suddenly have a load of agencies that look pretty much like ad agencies, Mm. or even worse, probably, they're just kind of vanilla marketing agencies. Mm. Because I don't think that brands necessarily just want one agency. Mm -hmm. I don't think they necessarily just want one way of thinking, one way of looking at a problem, um, albeit probably a team of great specialists who can probably deliver, um, you know, great campaigns. Mm -hmm. I think they still want their roster. I think they still want a number of different consultants that they can go to, that they can listen to, that they can ask for different opinions. Mm. And so I think this is all about saying the way that we view the world is valid. Mm. And actually, with the growth of social, the growth of digital, the increased importance that reputation now has um, with all the various crises. Um, you know, points that we see on a now daily basis in a very, very visible way, I think what we do is more relevant than it ever has been.
0: Mm.
1: Making sure that we don't basically just sort of uh, end up with something that actually adds no value. We really need to hold on to that core of, of, you know, what we think is really important. And I think, you know, there was something in the case study from Octopus Mm -hmm. where they said, you know what? One of the things that all the way through this process we have really held on to is that media relations is still really important. Mm. And speaking to the media, speaking to influencers, speaking to analysts, speaking to all those communities that we've traditionally always spoken to is still really important. It's not necessarily the only answer and it's not necessarily always the answer, but it's something that we really want to hold on to as an agency. We really want to say to our clients. This is still something we do. This is still something we value. And I guess also say that to our employees. So, you know, they have kind of gone sort of towards the Golan model, probably not quite as um, uh, sort of fully uh, uh, as Golan has. Mm-hmm. And obviously, a lot of what they do is is um, kind of more on the B2B side. So they're looking much more at sort of conversion points and ROI and, and all those sorts of things. Mm. Um and obviously they they're broadening they're bringing specialists in they're they're bringing other opportunities but they're saying we're still staying true to to what what it is that we do and i
0: think there is a lot of value in that mm. and fifth and final point people remain our greatest asset i mean obviously it's, it's something i think that has has probably um become apparent during this discussion already um, but i'm interested to hear your views um on battenhall because they were i think you know they're a new agency uh, and they, they have some quite interesting policies and, 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 and an approach to ensuring that people, if, if, they, if they are the greatest asset, are, are, are empowered and, um, and can thrive within this new agency model.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I think Drew uh, at Battenhall, um, when, he, when he set it all up, I think sat there and probably thought about some of the things that we've already discussed, especially around um, specialisms and talent and said, you know what, Um, I'm going to start an agency. Uh, People, as we've already talked about, are going to be absolutely core to whether we are successful or not. And therefore, I want to make sure that I have absolutely the best people Um, and people that can do a variety of different things that have kind of digital at their core and can think about the world in and think about brand problems in slightly different ways. And so they've done a few things. So, you know, they have this um, tech fund so that whenever someone joins, I think it's about just over a grand, so they get this fund where they can basically just go and buy the tech that they feel that they need to do their job. They have things like unlimited holiday allowance and, you know, some of those some of those benefits that I think we hear about from the kind of Silicon Valley startup right. kind of culture. Yeah, but I think sure. Drew's turned around and said, you know what, that's kind of working for them. Mm. They attract great talent mm-hmm. because of the kind of benefits that they give their staff. Maybe that's something we should look at. And mm. I think it's a really important thing that often we maybe as an industry don't look at in enough detail is how do we really make our agencies an appealing place for people to come and work? Because mm. if we can crack that, then that probably solves a lot of the sort of talent issues that that we potentially have as well in a world that is getting more competitive.
0: Absolutely. So five findings. But before we go, I wanted to ask you one more thing. We've talked a lot about the agency of the future, but how important is it that we start to see the client of the future as well, because presumably all of these changes become irrelevant if agencies can't find clients that can appreciate and are actually looking to retain, hire, and work with agencies on this basis.
1: Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fundamental, I think. And, and the danger always within an agency is, or the challenge, is how far do you push your client And how far do you kind of offer them what you see as being absolutely cutting edge? And to what extent do you offer them exactly what they're looking for right here, right now? And from some of the research that we did in-house, we're finding that in-house professionals are also innovating. So from a digital point of view, we're seeing a lot more social media execution being taken in-house. So again, traditionally, things that PR agencies probably would be taking on and and billing clients for, a lot of that's changing. They're now looking to agencies to offer more in the way of sort of content creation, um, strategic advice, advice around online reputation, which I think is really interesting. So I think as an agency, we need to look at that and we need to say, OK, we need to really listen to what clients are asking for. We need to look at the changes that are happening within their businesses. We need to look at structure changes that are happening within marketing departments. We need to look at the fact that actually social media and digital is increasingly sitting within a brand marketing function, whereas our traditional, uh, you know, point of contact has been been a comms person. We need to take all that. On board, We can't ignore it and we can't pretend that it's not there. But I think it shouldn't be something that holds us back from innovation as well. And so I think it's always that balancing act between being mindful of exactly what is happening within a business, but also finding ways for us to keep on pushing those boundaries a little bit and hopefully taking clients on the journey with us.
0: Mm. One more thing I wanted to ask you. Do you feel like the underlying financial structure of an agency has to change if it's going to be able to successfully implement some of these changes? I mean, agencies have typically been paid on a, um, you know, a billing for time basis. Yeah. You pay for someone's time. Is that realistic given the kind of specialist products and services that are now being offered? I think
1: for the, near, for the, for the time being, it will always remain core. But we are definitely seeing more in the way of uh, performance-related pay, so being paid by results or by certain KPIs being met. Um, and I think that is certainly something that will come in. Uh, you know, the digital marketing world has has done a great job of, of looking at, at that kind of way of, of billing, um, and I think that's potentially something we need to look at. But I also think um, with the sort of influx of paid media coming into play, there is also some, you know, there's a way of us looking at, at that side of things as well. You know, media agencies uh, obviously do a great job of building great relationships with, um, you know, platforms to ensure that they can then buy, add invent- inventory and, and, and then kind of make money um, by selling that. And I mm-hmm. think, again, that's an area that we should look at. So. It's an interesting one. I think the case studies we look at, the traditional model is still very much in place. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be it would be wrong not to to look at some of those models and see how we can start to sort of bring those into play. But it comes back to the the question we had the that we were talking about just before and that's the client question as well. And you know, it it's got to be if we're going to change payment structures, it has to be something that the client sees as something that's valuable for them, as well as something that that we think is potentially workable for our businesses as well.
0: Hmm. So overall, though, you'd you'd say you're you're optimistic about the PR industry's capacity to change. I mean, I think what these
1: five case studies show is that innovation is happening. Um, It's impossible uh, for us to kind of say categorically across the industry, this is commonplace. But from the level of interest we've had in this subject since we've been running this project, it's definitely something people are thinking about. And something that people are looking for advice and, um, uh, you know, ideas on. And hopefully that's what these case studies can do. But I think the other thing to say is we are always on the lookout for other ones. And we hope that this will be a program that will continue. I don't want it just to be these five and and and, and then it stops. So, you know, it would be great to hear from other agencies out there, or even, you know, in-house teams who feel they are innovating either on their own or with, with the agency partners they work with. Because I do think the more that we can share as an industry, um, the more we can all learn and hopefully all, all grow and, and move forwards.
0: Excellent. And, and hopefully we'll have you back on the show to discuss that as well. Danny, thank you so much no for problem. joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Marketeers 4DC for producing today's show. We'll be back in a couple of weeks.